Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So today, we have my dear friend, Kate Warman, back on the show, and she's going to talk to us about our must-have lists when it comes to dating. A little while back, Kate shared a mini-series on her own podcast. It's called Heart of Dating. It is so good. Go listen. All about compatibility factors and non-negotiables, and I just knew we needed to have her back on Girls' Night to tell us what she learned. So here's the thing. Most of us have a pretty clear picture of what we're looking for in a significant other, right? It might be a general idea of like, yes, this, no, that, or it might be something that we took the time to formally write down. But this must-have list guides us along the way. It's why we swipe left and why we swipe right. It's why we say yes and why we say no. It's why we give some people a chance and why we don't for others. And listen, knowing what you want is a really good thing. But every once in a while, there's something on our must-have lists that doesn't need to be there. And it causes us to miss out on some really wonderful guys, one of which might be our person. That's what happened for Kate. There was this one item on her must-have list that would have totally eliminated her now fiance. Changing her must-have list changed her life. But she'll tell us the whole story in this episode. Friends, if you've been trying to put yourself out there, trying to meet new people, and you feel like it is just not working, this episode's for you. But before we dive in, I am so excited to say that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up again on April 4th. You guys, I love this course and I would love to have you join us. Now, if this is your first time hearing about it, I wanna tell you just a little bit about it. Love Your Single Life is the only online course for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step plan to help you savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. Here are just a few of the things we talk about in this four-week course. We talk about how to start really enjoying your single life and making the most of every moment. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. We'll talk about how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to invest in your friendships, your relationship with God, your calling and passions and yourself. We'll work through what to do with your sex drive while you're single because it doesn't lead to show up until we're married, right? We'll talk about how to stay close to your girlfriends even when you're in different stages of life and so much more. I wanna take a second to share a few of the things that our alumni have had to say about the course because their stories are seriously incredible. Hillary said, since taking the course, I've become more the woman I always dreamed of becoming. Even my family has noticed. Amanda said, this course completely transforms the way I view not only my single life, but my life as a whole. And Bianca said, I believe this course will be one of the biggest things I did in my single life to set me up for a wonderful married life. Friends, we've had more than 6,000 women join us for the course so far. And I am not kidding when I say that the ways God has been using it in women's lives has completely blown me away. Registration for the course only opens up twice a year and the next time is on April 4th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. One other thing is I know some of you may be listening to this after uh, registration closes in April and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list and that way you'll be the very first to know next time the registration opens back up. I cannot wait to share this with you guys. Okay, with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here is my conversation with Kate. 
right, friends, I am so excited for who we have today. Kate Warman, my dear friend, welcome back to Girls Night. Hey, girl. I love that we get to hang out again. I think, is this the third time that I've been on? I think it might be the third time. I feel like it, it must be at least three. At, at least, least three. three. But we are but, friends in real life, so I, I can't even keep track of how many times because we have so many conversations, irregardless I, like of the Like, which podcast. ones are actually recorded, which yeah. ones are not, which ones are for my show, which ones are for yours. Yeah, yeah exactly. We don't, exactly. we don't know. But seriously, thank goodness we get to do this together. Yeah. Um, just all of it, all of life, <laughs> everything. Okay, so Kate, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. Okay, yay. Hey guys, if you haven't heard of me, that's awesome. Um, I'm so excited to meet you. I'm Kate Warman. I live in Southern California. I used to say in this part that I am a single woman and a dating coach, but I no longer am saying that I'm a single woman because I'm not really. I am taken, y'all. I have an engagement ring on. I am now engaged, um, but I am not married yet. So I'm still in that stage of preparing for marriage. And I'm a dating coach and I get to really help um, men and women in this weird area called Christian dating. And we help a variety of people um, from for the person who's never been on a date before to the person who's dated more than they can even recollect and it still hasn't worked for them to the person who's been divorced to the single parent. Um, we, we just help a whole bunch of different people and varying ages and I love it because my story has so much to do with brokenness and dating and really, and trauma, a lot of trauma and figuring out who I am. Who does God call me to meet? Who is Kate with or without somebody in the picture? And that's something I really strive to help other people figure out as well. And so we have a podcast called Heart of Dating. I have a dating program called Drop the Hanky. Last year in 2021, my first book came out called Thank You for Rejecting Me. And we get to host yearly conferences, which Steph, you've been a part of all three of our conferences, which has been awesome. And we just wrapped our last one in February, 2022. And it was honestly the best thing because we did it both virtually and in person. And so if you're listening and you're single, come join us with Heart of Dating because you'll just get a really great community of men and women who get what you're going through. Uh, Okay, so that was a long-winded intro, but uh, my fun fact, this is maybe not so fun, but it is interesting. And people don't often know this, but I am allergic to corn, which um, people don't know this. I don't even think you knew this, Steph. I'm allergic to corn, which was the most depressing thing ever when I found this out because I thought it just meant like popcorn when the doctor told me, you know, like popcorn or corn on the cob. And the doctor was like, no. Corn is in everything. Corn is literally a hidden ingredient in like, over 70% of foods in America specifically. So uh, I'm highly allergic to corn. I have to be really careful. So that's a fun fact people don't know. <laughs> that is a lot of work, Kate. I'm, that's so much to navigate. That was my first thought was like, whoa, corns and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird because you go to restaurants, you're like, can you check if there's corn in that? And it's not like a common, it's not one of the most top, it's not the top 10 like biggest allergies in America. But here's another fun fact. If you have ever eaten, eaten corn or corn on the cob, you know that we can't really digest corn, okay? It is not very digestible. So almost everyone is minorly, at least minorly allergic to corn. It's actually 
It's not good for any human. It doesn't have very good properties. And so all of us are minorly allergic to it. I just happen to be majorly allergic to it. So there's your fun fact, second fun fact for the day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many questions. I, I, need, I need more information. What in the world? Um, okay. Well, Kate, I'm very glad to know this about you. And I feel like I will keep this in mind next time we eat together because I, know, right? I didn't know this. I know. <laughs> so Kate, you mentioned this briefly, but you have had a major, major, major life um, thing, a wonderful thing happened since we we talked to you last. And so I would love to kick off by hearing about JJ, how you guys met. And I know that your story, um, you know, today we're talking about compatibility and, you know, we tend to write people off really early before mm. we get to know them or, or we kind of as we're making sort of our must-have lists of what we're looking for in a potential partner, we really, really, we eliminate some some really great people because yes. of a couple different criteria. And I know that JJ actually probably wouldn't have made your list. So yeah. tell us all the things about JJ um, as we dive in. I'm excited to hear. Yeah, so my fiance, his name is JJ Tomlin. And a few fun facts about him because we're doing fun facts. He grew up in Belgium and Southern Tennessee, or no, not Southern Tennessee, in the South, in Tennessee. And so he has like a fun, interesting mix. He's one of five kids. His parents were missionaries. So those are just some things you should know about him. He is also five and a half years younger than I am. And we started our dating relationship long distance. So we didn't live in the same city for the first about three months that we dated. And uh, he also, I it, for a lot of people don't know this, I used to work in fashion before Heart of Dating. I used to be a buyer. I lived in New York City. I did a lot of fun buying, went to Fashion Week. And I love fashion. I'm way more chill these days. I'm like good with an oversized sweatshirt, you know, but I still love fashion and style and and putting together outfits. And so when I first saw JJ, which I'll tell you where I met him in a sec, when I first saw him, it was somebody had sent me his Instagram profile. And I remember going to it, finding out that he was five and a half years younger and then seeing his style, which if you go to his Instagram, you'll see bits and pieces of this. It's all over the place, girl. But at the time that I met him, it's like you could cue the song April Avril Lavigne, Skater Boy, okay? He was a skater boy. <laughs> Said, see you later, boy. Mm-hmm. He was a skater boy. He literally, at the time that he asked me out, had platinum hair that he had dyed blue and he had a black earring and he wore drop crotch pants and just had like this really interesting style that was just, that's fine if that's your style or you know a guy that that's their style and you're listening. It was not my thing, okay? And I was like, this is interesting. This is like fashion faux pas all over the place. And unless you're Justin <laughs> Bieber, I don't think you should have platinum hair as a guy, okay? Um, like, and so... The way we met, I'll trace back to that quickly, is I actually was speaking at a women's singles conference. So how do I meet a guy at a singles conference for women? Well, this singles conference had live blind dates happening as a fun part for the ladies. And I was a speaker there and he was one of the bachelors that was going on a live blind date with another girl. Okay, so I was on the Zoom call. I actually was chilling. I didn't really watch his date, not gonna lie. But then he stayed on after his date and he ended up just staying on and watching my talk. 
And the next day, so he's just being that one creepy guy on the call, you know, just like watching me. And on Zoom, you can really like gawk at somebody. He, he tells the story this way. He was like, wow, I was just captivated by you and your story. And like on Zoom, nobody can tell that I'm just like literally staring at you, you know? And so <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny. So the next day when the people leading the conference, which by the way, actually, I think you know them too. They're my friends, Mac and Ken's from Delight Ministries or For the Girl. It was their conference, okay? And fun fact, nobody knows this yet. I haven't shared it publicly yet. Um, But Mac met her man, her now almost husband, Tyler, also on that Zoom call, okay? He was also one of the live blind date contestants. So JJ and Tyler Ironically, both Mac and I ended up marrying these two bachelor guys from this conference. <laughs> so I do funny. know that I love Mac so much, um, and actually, I just I just interviewed Ken's for oh for Girls Night this morning. <laughs> we were just talking this morning. That's so fun! Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so Mac and I met both of our guys from these blind dates. Okay, but Mac and Ken's messaged me like the next day. Or they messaged JJ first and they asked him how his blind date went. He was like, you know, it was good. She's a nice sister in Christ. But who's Kate? He was like, I wanna, I wanna ask Kate out. And they were like, You mean the dating coach? Like you want you know she's a dating coach. And he was like, Yep. And they're like, okay, we'll ask her. And oh. so then they proceeded to group text me and they were like, hey, this one of our bachelors, JJ, wants to get your number. He wants to ask you out. And I was like, well, wait a second, because I, all I remembered was that there was one bachelor and it was Tyler, actually. That was 21 at the time. And I was like, for me, that's a pretty big age gap. Okay, that would be 10 years. That would be 10 years. So I was like, is it the 21-year-old? And they were like, no, <laughs> it's not the 21-year-old, Kate. Um, though Tyler's awesome and very mature for his age. <laughs> and marrying Mac. But um, it was JJ. And they were like, he's 20. At the time, he was 26. Here's his Instagram. And that's when I hence did the Instagram stalking. And I was like, but y'all, he has like blue hair. What is going on with this? (laughs) So I was so close, Steph, to saying no, because I was like, oh, this, he's younger. I never thought I would date a guy younger than me, especially younger than my brother's age. My brother's two years younger. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, is it going to be weird? And then on top of that, his style, the hair, I was like, not sure if I was physically <laughs> into him at first. But I said yes, because I was in a season of really, you know, working on this whole phrase I've been saying a lot, which is date the unexpected and God may do the unexpected. And so I had that in the back of my mind and I was like, all right, date the unexpected. JJ's the unexpected. Let's see what happens. And so... And here we are. I'm so glad I dated the unexpected. (laughs) That is so, I love that so much. Um, And you actually, was it over the summer, you did a mini series Mm -hmm. on Heart of Dating, all about compatibility. Yes. And I know you did tons of polls for your audience and and asking people, you know, what are some of your must-haves? What are some of the things for you? I know for Mm me, um, I always thought that I would marry someone who's blonde. I'm blonde. I don't know. I just thought I'd always marry someone who's blonde. Uh, Carl has brown hair, but it's like kind of light brown. I don't know. Um, I thought that I would, my girlfriends and I always were about dating and marrying people who were tall because yes, most right. like my girlfriends and I are all tall. I'm five nine. Um, my best friend is six one. We always were like, no, like tall guys, those are the guys for us. Um, and I, you know, I had a couple of those things like on my, on my must have list. 
And I think that a lot of us do. We all have Mm -hmm. things where it's like, you know, I don't know that I would go on a date with someone if they had this trait, or I don't know if I would even consider someone if they had this trait. But as you and I have gotten to see both in our own lives and then in the work that we do, we're really missing out on some awesome people when we like make our our criteria that narrow. And so I want to just start off by hearing from you as we're making sort of, well, I guess, what is the what is the purpose of a must-have list? Well, why yeah. is it important to know what we're looking for in general? I just want to back up for one second, because if you are anything like me, my story is filled with a lot of trauma, and that trauma led me to date a lot to fill a void. The trauma for you may lead you to not date a lot or to be really cautious because you don't really trust men. So it could look differently for you or your story could look similar to mine that you did date or you often put your identity into relationships. And so it's really important to know for somebody with trauma wounds, which is a lot of people, that oftentimes unhealthy, or sorry, oftentimes healthy looks boring. So for us with trauma wounds, healthy will often look boring to us. And so the the we'll be like, that guy's boring or he's not my type. And, you know, that's that was what I said for a long time. A lot of guys I was attracted to were charismatic. They were interesting. They were successful. And at the end of the day, they, not all of them, but a lot of them, especially some of the ones I seriously dated, again, not all, were really bad for me. And cause a lot more drama for me and toxicity. And if you know my story, you'll know that I was in a two and a half year abusive relationship. So I just want to say this off the bat, that if you have any trauma in your past at all, any trauma wounding, um, or if you find yourself avoidantly attaching to relationships or anxiously attaching to relationships, then you need to know that oftentimes healthy for you will look very boring. And this is why it's so important for us to have less things on our non-negotiable list. I'm not saying to have nothing, okay? I'm not saying to have zero things, but I really think it's important to narrow down your list in the beginning to be just a little more open and not eliminate people quite so quickly. Uh, because again, otherwise, if you don't feel that spark, if you don't feel that big connection, if they don't have everything on your list right away, you're going to say no to them. And maybe that was actually a really good person for you. And so one part of the figuring out your list is, and a lot of people haven't done this, but I want you to consider what are your top values? And if you're a Christian listening, which probably a lot of you are, then one of your top values would be faith. That makes sense. But outside of faith, like what else is your top value? You know, we don't, we often don't ask ourselves that question, what are my top values? Some of my top values, I'll just give you a spoiler, is um, outside of faith, it's growth. Growth is one of my very top, if there were two top values I had in, have in life, it's gonna be faith and growth. I just got back from a therapy retreat. I value growth so much. And so growth is huge for me. Somebody who is growth-minded, that is big for me. Another, a third really top core value for me is reliability. Can I rely on that person? Are they dependable? Do they say something and follow through with their word? Knowing my trauma wounding, that's really important for me to be able to build trust. And it's something that I've really valued and strive towards for myself. 
And so that's just a baseline. Do you know your core values at all? Because sometimes we're eliminating people based on some of these more superficial things and they have nothing to do truly with our core values. And so ask yourself what some of your core values are. Now know in the core value discussion that as you do this process, and by the way, if you want to actually do it, you can go on the internet and look up you can actually, Brené Brown has a great exercise on her website right now that um, is up from the beginning of 2022. It's all about your values. And so go and check that out. It's a worksheet you can do to really figure out your values. There's like a list of top values so you can actually work through what are your core top values. But while I say this, you also have to know that you will not know on first date or maybe even second date or maybe even third date or maybe even just in the first few dates at all if that person has all the parts of your core values, okay? So having a small list is important. You wanna have some level of standards, but you don't want to have this list of like 15, 20, 30, 40. Oh my gosh, some of y'all out here having 50 items on your non-negotiable list. You are going to eliminate amazing people if you have that many things that you are looking for. You need to have a very thin list and those Items need to be based on character and values. They should not have anything to do with physicality or the fun to have items, like I call them fun to have, like loves Disney or it can get down with Celine Dion or is is like loves a good karaoke night. Like those are fun to have things, okay? Those are not non-negotiable things. Um, and so... I think it's really important because I think a lot of Christians are like going out here and we have this really tall order of what we're looking for. And it really eliminates so many great men in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, one of the things that I, I got to find out that I didn't know for a long time was that just because someone shares your faith doesn't doesn't mean that they share those other values. Yes. And so there were people that I dated that were perfect on paper. And and it, you know, I think it felt like finding someone who shared my faith was such a big deal. And it it is. But there are also other things. There are there are character traits, there are personality things, there are, mm-hmm. you know, having similar hopes and dreams for your life yes. that other things need to line up. Um, not just that one thing. That thing is really, really important, but it's not just that. I was thinking about my my must-have list um, and the things like he must be this tall or he must have this color hair or this, um, you know, occupation or whatever. Those things got checked off or like eliminated pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but one of the things that I I got to find out, a lot of the guys that I dated, I called them almost because they were like, really close, like really, yeah. really, really close. They were really wonderful people and and we could have maybe almost worked, but each of them was missing some really important thing. And it wasn't actually about who they were as a person. It was more about our relationship. Mm. Um, and so, or how I wanted to feel in our relationship, but didn't. Um, and so that's kind of where my actual, like end of the day must have list came from was this relationship was really good and it had all of these, these components to it, you know, our the way that we interacted with each other was like this. I loved that. But each of them was missing something. And that's how, like, that's how I actually started to really um, narrow in on what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So that by the time I did meet Carl, it, it, it was pretty quick that I realized, oh, this one is someone special because mm-hmm. of the things I'd learned through those previous relationships. But that's different 
than a must-have list. That's different from, I'm not going to go on a date with this person because they don't like baseball. Well, maybe they like football and that's really fun. And you can teach them about baseball and they can teach you about football and you can go to all the games and that'll be really fun. Um, and you go with one of your girlfriends to, to baseball games. It, like it, there are, are different things that people can bring to the table um, with those more nice to have yeah, uh, it's things. funny you said that because I actually, on the flip side, always said, I was like, I don't want to date somebody who loves football because I, I don't really like football that much. And <laughs> football people are like really intense on it. You know, if you love football and you're listening right now. But funny enough, JJ is like the biggest football lover that I've personally ever met. And this last year of my life, I have not, I have... I never have watched so much football as I have this last yep. year. And it is yep. so funny. And it's been a struggle. It's definitely been a challenge. But guess what? Me not wanting to date someone that loves football to an extreme is a preference, okay? So I didn't get that specific preference with JJ. And that's okay. I mean, it's not his preference to have gotten a Disney pass and come to Disney with me. That's certainly not <laughs> his preference. He he would rather be golfing or watching football or doing something active, outdoors, sporty-wise. But he, like, it's sacrifice and compromise. You don't have to have every single preference on your list fulfilled. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. I will say, as a as the wife of an, a fellow football lover, um, I take really good football naps. Like, it's a really <laughs> Sunday afternoon. It's a great time to take a nap. Um, but also, I, yeah. I really, I actually really do like football. Not anywhere near as much as Carl does. Um, <laughs> but there are things that you can figure out in your relationship when things like yes. that don't add up. Like, Carl really likes, like whatever show is is new and interesting and cool and really well done and stuff. He's always, if people are like, oh, we're all watching this. Has Have you seen it? Me, never. Carl, always. Because for me, I'm like, ah, oh, it's a little scary or a little violent yeah. or a little, I don't know. I it, It'll just, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not my taste. Um, and so I never watch those with Carl. And that's something that he's had to give up on. He has to watch those things by himself. And I watch a lot more football than I probably would on my own. But like, I'm happy to do it because the rest of the time we watch like kids baking championship and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Okay, so Kate, what? Um, I have a couple of things that that I know tend to be on a lot of our must-have mm-hmm. lists. And I want to go through them and just ha- have you help me like debunk them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, help me figure out wh- like what are some questions we at least need to be considering as we're considering crossing these things off of our list? So the first one, which I know you're going to have a ton of thoughts on, is age difference. Ooh. So how do we figure out, like, should age be a factor? And and what kinds this of questions should we be asking ourselves as we consider that? It's so good because, and I did this in my series last year, so this is so exciting, but... There are so many people, including myself, okay, that were like, I don't, I, everyone has something. For me, I didn't really want to date younger. I had this idea that all guys younger than me were more immature. And there is a stigma there that guys develop later emotionally, whatever. And it's, but it's just not the, always the case, okay? And so when JJ came along, I was like, I'm not going to date a guy younger than my brother. It's my little brother. My, he's, and then someone younger than that. So I had this immediate taste in my mouth. I would always date older guys. Like I, in fact, when I started dating JJ, I was talking to a guy that was about nine years older than me. And then JJ rolls around. He's five and a half years younger than me. So there was like <laughs> big age gaps happening, right? I'm gotten almost tw- 10 years older and then I have almost six years younger. And it's like way different scenarios here. But 
I think that with age, I really, it really, it truly, and I, oh my gosh, there are some challenges with age. There are some, okay? But it really varies case by case. And I want to encourage you to just be open. Just be open. What is really important when it comes to age is two things. Are you both looking to build the same kind of things in life? Because if you are, that's the first thing. If you are, it doesn't really matter what your age is. If you're looking to both have kids, to both have a family, if you're both looking to do something similar on mission for God, that doesn't really matter then the age difference. Now, where that question comes into maybe where it might not align is somebody who maybe in their 40s, they've already had children, maybe they're divorced, and somebody who's a bit younger that really wants to start a family. Those two people are in very different stages, and that's not necessarily aligning where they want to go in life because one is done having a family and has already created it, and the other one really wants that, and they want their own children. And so I'm not saying that's a non-negotiable, like that it's like not going to work at all, but that would be a harder moment to say, okay, Like, is this even possible? That's where, you know, that question comes into play. Are you looking to build the same things in life? The second thing here is, the second question I would ask yourself, are you both growth-minded people? Is the person you're talking to and dating growth-minded? Because no matter what age they are, if they are growth-minded and you are growth-minded, you have to have that characteristic as well, then you're in a good place, okay? Because I've actually dated guys older than me that are not very growth-minded. Okay, and and actually, JJ has been more mature and more curious to learn than some of the guys I've dated that were older and should be maybe, I'm putting quotes here, should be maybe more developed emotionally and spiritually in other ways. But then JJ comes along and he's like, I may not know all those things, but I'm willing to learn and I'm excited and I'm gonna go to my therapist and I'm gonna seek counsel and it's so refreshing. So having the growth mindset and a similar vision for where you're going or what you're desiring in your life is probably the biggest thing for age. If I could narrow it down to like the two main things, those would be it. And now, of course, there are some times where age gaps are a little inappropriate, okay? If you're in your early 30s and you are dating, wanna date someone that's in college, or like just starting college, you're not in the same place in life, right? The person in college is looking to be in college and grow learning and understanding. It's a very different life stage than somebody who was in their 30s and you're not in the same place at that moment for where you're wanting to grow and build your life. Again, I'm not saying that it could never work, but that would be an area where it's like, maybe not exactly the right thing. And so we do have to have discernment Um, with just considering like, where is that person truly at? Where am I at? Uh, And there are some things like if you're in your mid twenties and you're want to ask someone out in high school, not appropriate. Let's be real. Like that's not an age gap that would be appropriate. And so it's not always, um, it's not always going to be a fit, but if you're 25, the person's 35, it could be fine if you want similar things in your life and you're both growth minded. So that's my thought on age gaps. I love that. I, one of the things that came to mind, so my little sister um, is uh, three and a half years younger than me. And um, it's it's far enough, like where our birthdays are, makes it so that we're four grades apart. And so we've never been in school together. And so there have been times in life where we're closer and we have more in common and then times where it's like, we're a million years apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of similar. Like um, when you're in, when one of you is in 
elementary school and one of you is in middle school, like you're in different galaxies and kind of the same middle school and high school and high school and college. But like, as my sister and I have both been graduated from college and as, you know, now we're both married, she's actually about to have her first baby. Um, But so we've, in the last however many years, we've been in really similar life stages. And so it's so much easier to have so much more in common. Whereas even when, you know, she's in high school and I'm in college, we're just in a really, really different place in terms of life stage. And so that four years can either mean a ton at certain, like in certain times in your life, like being four years old versus a newborn, like that's a pretty big difference in terms of developmental stages. Um, So there are times in life where, where four years makes a really huge difference. And then times when it doesn't make a difference hardly at all. Um, The other thing I was thinking is I think that there's a, a time in life where for, I think for a long time, we assume that at some point, adults become adults. It's like you, I don't know how old you have to be, but we expect grownups to be mature and healthy and all these things. But then at some point, as we become grownups ourselves, we go, oh, like there is no adult graduation. Like one no. day where we all just become like this healthy, exactly. emotionally stable version of ourselves. It's like that That work, you can, you can, you know, know someone who's 80 years old and they don't have any of their stuff figured out. Exactly. With a 20-year-old could be the most figured out person in the world. And so there isn't actually, the older you are doesn't necessarily mean that you're- There's no formula. Yeah. Yeah. That that you're healthier or that you're you're more mature. Um, Yes. It's that's work we all have to do in our adulthood. And so it's looking person by person. Like, have you, have you done this work in your life? Um, it doesn't necessarily correlate to age like we think it does. And something else that was interesting for JJ and I that I'll bring up now is um, not only do we have an age gap, but this can also happen in an age gap or just in general. But JJ had also never been in a relationship. And I have not only been in many relationships, but I'm also a dating coach. Okay. So I, I research dating for a living. You know, like that's basically what I do is I study about dating. And so... That's another thing. That doesn't mean he should be disqualified. That doesn't mean he's not ready. But um, it, and that's why I'm so glad I didn't eliminate him at at all for even that factor, which I did an episode on this recently on the podcast of what if I've never dated before? Because there's a lot of people that feel really behind and feel underqualified. But I'll tell you what, JJ, through his life, has built really great friendships, has picked up really great tools from his friendships from seeing some of the family dynamic that he has and inner healing tools that he's grasped from like people in his family. And honestly, because he's a grower and a learner, that really is all that matters is that you know that this is a new thing you're going into. And so there's going to be weird and uncomfortable things that maybe sometimes I don't know how to handle. And I'm just going to be willing to learn and grow. And let me also flip that to say, even though I've been in lots of relationships and I'm a dating coach, I still don't do this thing perfectly, okay? And I still also have to be growing. And there are so many areas in which JJ showed up way more knowledgeable and way more on point than I did in the relationship. So I just want to throw that in there too. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies, and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. 
Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship.
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so what about height? Yes. <laughs> what are some of the things that you, like, what are some of the trends that you found as you looked into this? And what are some things that we should think through as we're thinking about height preferences? So good. So I did a poll on my Instagram last summer about height and it was kind of an impromptu thing. I was like, okay, this is talked about so much. Like I see it so much like in conversations, but it's not talked about a lot publicly. So let's talk about it. And so over 7,000 people like did the poll and they voted (laughs) over 74% of people voted that they want, would prefer to date someone over six foot tall. So 74% of women said, I'd prefer to date someone over six foot tall. But then the reality is, as I did the research, is that majority of men, the average height of a man in America is five foot nine. So you have 74% of women wanting to date guys over six foot tall, but the average height of guys is five nine, which is an average, right, Steph? Which means that there are guys under five nine. In order for it to be an average, there has to be a healthy amount of guys that are under five nine and some over five nine. So I don't know the exact percentage, but the uh, the percentage of guys over six foot tall is very low. So you have seventy four percent of women, for the most part, going for guys that are like over six foot tall, which is a very small bucket, okay? I'm just gonna say that bucket's probably between five to 10% of the guys are actually over six foot tall, most likely. I w- I, so you have 74% of women going after five to 10% of guys. No wonder people saying that there are no good guys out there because they're swiping left on all these guys on dating apps because of height. They're not considering the guy at church who's awesome just because he's a little shorter. He's either their height or a little lower or just very small, like smallly above them in height. And I'll be honest, JJ is taller than me, but I didn't know that, okay? I didn't know that when I said yes to go on a date with him because all I had was an Instagram photo and some Instagram Mm -hmm. photos. And you can't tell a lot by the Instagram photos. And I wasn't gonna ask him, you know, early on, like, hey, by the way, how tall are you? It's just, I I wasn't gonna do that because I also don't really care. But I didn't, so I didn't know until a month in, until we met in real life, how tall he was. Because I got to see him in real life. So we started, and I was totally okay with that. Meanwhile, I mentioned earlier, there was another guy I was talking to. That guy was my exact height. And so he was older and he was my same height. And I've actually dated a lot of guys that are a little shorter than me or the same height. I'm 5'7", which is maybe a little above average for women. And so I've dated a lot of guys that are roughly 5'7 or maybe 5'8. Average height of guys is 5'9, right? So, and I like to wear heels. So a lot of times, or like just platform shoes, whatever. And so I've dated a lot of guys that are like my height. And what I found for myself in that too, as we dive in deeper, is usually it has to do with a lot of these stereotypes that like taller guys are bigger and stronger and you're gonna be more protected. I understand those have been some of the messaging, but it's just it's just not necessarily true at all when you really get to know a guy. Um, and and not only that, there were deeper layers, at least for me, when I previously dated guys around my height, that 
came up for me that made me feel insecure. It had nothing to do with the guy, it had everything to do with like me and I felt big and it had to do with my own in, like issues with body shame and how I saw myself. And so I think that there's a lot of women that default to like, I'm not gonna date a guy my height or just a little bit taller or whatever because I feel weird. I would feel too big or I wouldn't feel comfortable. And while that may be valid, it's also a really good opportunity to say, what's underneath that for you? What kind of body shame work do we need to do around loving your body? And, you know, I'm just really speaking to all the under five foot nine guys out there who there are plenty of, half of America are five foot nine or below. And so, and these are awesome guys that, especially when you get on a dating app, us women, we're just swiping left, swiping left because we see the height or we've already filtered out the height because you can do that on some of these apps. And then we're not even seeing these guys. So we're swiping left because, oh, this guy looks good. Oh, he's five seven, five six. No, 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 swipe left. And so you're not gonna find the person you're looking for if over 74% of women or roughly 74% of women are looking for a guy over six foot tall. And that's only about five-ish percent of guys. So we have to like challenge ourselves. Height is a preference. It shouldn't be a non-negotiable. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's so good. It's so good. Um, I'm so glad that you said the thing about like, it brings up an insecurity in us because I think that that's really true. Um, yeah. But that that's a really good opportunity for us to to dig deeper. And I think if if we think about it the opposite way, if we think, um, you know, so I, I, we've talked about this, but I'm 5'9", so I'm like above mm-hmm. average for a woman. And if if some guy like swipes left on me because I was too tall, like we would all think that that was mean and terrible. And like my first thought would be, are you kidding me? Like that's one, something I can't control. Two, that's a gift about me. Like this is how I was made and there's nothing wrong with me. And then also you're going to miss out on literally every other great thing about me because I'm too tall for you. Like that's, that's insane. And so just the same amount of indignation that I think we would feel if someone did that for us, for any, I mean, for any reason, it's the same. We're missing out on some really wonderful people because of just a random, a random fact about them. And I do, I, I completely agree with you. I know that it can bring up some insecurities in us, but I think that those things can be gotten over, like, and should be. We need to be working yeah. on that in our own hearts. Um, and but listen, and the I'm not saying you're awesome. Yeah. And I'm not saying the preference to want a taller person is bad. This is not about anything being good or bad. It's just to say, if you have been eliminating people on dating apps or quite often, mainly because of things like height, then, you know, or age, what would it look like to just, and you haven't had success, that much success in dating, then what would it look like to just challenge, date the unexpected, see what happens? You could be surprised, you know? Like uh, JJ, again, with height, he is taller than me. But like the age thing, so many, the long distance thing is another thing. People often won't consider long distance. They're like, that's not for me. I'm like, well, there's so many great people out here that you could meet if you were just willing to expand your boundaries. So what if what would it just look like to say to date say yes to the guy that asked you out that's five nine or below and just and say you know have open expectations and don't go into the date if you do say yes saying I'm not going to like this guy he's not my type I'm not attracted to him because if you say that to yourself then it will be a self fulfilling prophecy more than likely so you just give the guy a fair shot be like I'm excited this is a fun challenge I'm going to be open 
and see what happens and let God do a work in me potentially. And you may not end up marrying the guy that's 5'9 or below. And that's okay. I'm not saying you have to, but I do think that there's a beauty that happens when we challenge ourselves. And either we may be led to somebody that actually is the best for us, or we get to be challenged in ourselves and things that we think about ourselves or some of our the messaging that we're sending that is in our brains about men and the culture of single men. And so there's a lot of good guys out there. They just may not be tall enough for you right now. So what if, why don't you just give it a shot and see what happens? All right, so the next one is a little more sensitive. I know for, mm-hmm. I mean, we feel this way as women. Yeah. I'm going to speak for all of us. But the next one is about weight differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for a lot of us, in the same way that we're, you know, we find ourselves swiping left, either in person or um, like on an app or something, when someone mm-hmm. is too short, if they have a different body type than what we're looking for, I think a lot of times we we discount them. So what did you find out about this? Talk to us about about body differences. Yeah. And this one is really sensitive. So I just want to say that I'm going to do my best to cover this topic right now because it is really sensitive. And um, I've struggled. I'll lead with my own vulnerability that in the past, I really struggled majorly with body dysmorphia. And I had really, I couldn't even look people in the eyes. I was so afraid of them looking at my face. I was so insecure about what my face looked like specifically um, that I couldn't even look people in the face. Um, I wouldn't, it got so bad for me at a point that I wouldn't go out. Like if I was invited to go to a dinner or had a friend's birthday, if unless I liked and felt really confident in what my face looked like and my body looked like that day, I would actually cancel and not show up to events just because I didn't want to be seen by people and or I didn't want a photo to be taken of me. And so it was that, it was really crippling for me for a, a real a pretty long season in my life. And if you, most people didn't know me back in the day, but I used to wear, wear so much more makeup than I wear now. Right now I'm wearing very little, but um, I used to have fake eyelashes, full-blown like eyeliner, eyeshadow, lipstick, bright red or some bright color every day, like caked on lots of makeup. And if you're a makeup girl, I'm not shaming you with the makeup. For me, just what is your relationship with makeup? For me, it was to hide. And because I did not feel good with what uh, my face looked like without all the makeup. So I had to have all the layers and I could never let anybody see myself without makeup. And so for me, I really struggled. And also I've, I've struggled for the past seven or more years at this point with chronic illness, almost eight years of varying degrees. And which means my my body fluctuates in weight often. Like I could gain up to seven or more pounds sometimes in a week or in a few weeks. And it's very jarring for me or it has been in my life. And like, what does it look like to love myself, whether or not I have an inflammatory response to something? And that has been a huge, huge challenge for me. So I'm just bringing all of those things up to say, um, I don't understand everyone's journey, but that's just my, that's my experience in this category of weight and body image. And it's actually why I started my book out writing about body image, because I think there's a lot of self-rejection within this. And so I just want to try to be as sensitive as possible but I, I do know we have to admit the fact that there is a, there are a lot of messages out there about like ideal, quote unquote, ideal body types. And it's driven by media. It's driven by what we've heard growing up. And it's created this idea within our minds of what is desirable. 
And then what it brings up this question of what we define as healthy. And healthy is a very subjective term, actually. Um, I've, I found out through doing this a poll and, and really discovering on Instagram, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions of what healthy looks like. For them, some people, healthy is a skinny person that goes to the gym all the time. But also, some people don't think that's healthy. Some people are like, well, that person could actually be unhealthy in ways because they could have unhealthy relationship with their body and they may be obsessed with going to the gym. So other people, you know, so some people may define it by BMI and the amount of times you go to the gym. Some people um, and how much and what food they eat. Some people may, some people judge it or not judge it, categorize it as how much water they have, how much sleep they have, um, what kinds of food they're nourishing their body with. Not like like limiting their diets, but what kinds of foods are they eating? And all of those things combined, less about actual body shape, but do they have a good relationship with, are they hydrating their body? Are they sleeping? Are they, do they have a good relationship with food? Like those things. Um, and so healthy is very subjective. We all have like this different um frame of what we think is healthy and then mix coupled that with what we think is quote unquote desirable in terms of body shape. And so I would just say we need to individually do the own work for ourselves of if we have eliminated people because of their weight or or whatever, their body shape, we need to ask ourselves why. What is that? What's coming up for us? Is it because we think that that the person of that that is that weight isn't healthy? Um, is it because we were told somewhere that that's not desirable? Um, what, why are you drawn to or repelled to the things that you're drawn to or repelled to? We need to know the answers to those questions for ourselves individually so that then we can challenge ourselves within that. Because here's the thing, somebody who may be a different body type than you or a body type that maybe previously you wouldn't have considered saying yes or going on a date with, Somebody with that body type, you have no idea what their story is. You have no idea like about their journey with their weight or about their body type. And you don't know their story. You don't know what they struggle with. One in three people have a chronic illness. That is a lot of people. And chronic illness actually is a high contributor to weight gain and to unexplainable weight gain. And so if that's one in three people, that's a lot of people that have unexplainable weight gain. And I'm one of those people not to, like in in certain areas of my life, it's just been so hard and so frustrating. And so I would hate it if somebody wrote me off because like I gained 10 pounds and they were like, oh, Kate clearly is unhealthy when it was an inflammatory response to a chronic illness. And so I would just say, get curious. Ask yourself, like what's under these layers of why I'm eliminating people because of their weight? And is it possible to challenge myself in that and say yes, and then get curious on their journey of just finding more about this person's story? I think this topic of all of them is really, really hard because we women, we do it to guys and guys definitely do it to women. Uh, you know, like that is, we, we know that women, you know, this is Girls Night Podcast. We know as women that it is a struggle based on what is put out there as ideal for women and what, um, we are fighting against. I haven't met one woman in my life that's never struggled with body image or body shame. So this is such a real topic. And there are guys, because of society, because of porn, because of certain things, that they 
are programmed to think X thing is ideal or they fetish on certain things. And I'm not, the, none of that is right. None of that is right. And so for the women that are here saying like, hey, I have this body type and I feel like I'm always overlooked and always not considered, I am so sorry. Here's what's gonna be the game changer for you and for every woman listening. Heal yourself as much as you can. Learn to truly embrace yourself, your body, who you are as much as you can. Because the guy that is going to want you and it is going to be with you, he's not going to be faced by that. You don't want to try to get the guy who's, you know, so programmed by these ideal body images. You don't want that guy. You don't want to convince him to like you or your body. You want to you're gonna, you want the guy that like is open and is curious and loves the way you look. And there are guys out there, but guess what exudes more than just the physical? It is also the interior. I've met gorgeous women, quote unquote, that like you would just look at them and be like, oh my gosh, they're like a supermodel looking that are so unconfident and so just are unhealthy. And it breaks my heart. And I've known guys that gone on dates with them and they're like, actually didn't enjoy it at all because they weren't even confident. So what exudes more than anything is the woman who truly knows who she is, loves who she is, and is exuding confidence. And it's hard on dating apps. You can only do so much. And all we can do is hope and pray that the right guy is going to not judge my exterior. And he's going to just get excited by seeing who I am. And guess what? He's going to think you are beautiful, okay? None of this is about you not being beautiful compared to somebody else. Like, you are beautiful. And I think that is, beauty is defined by God. And God defined all of us as good and made in his image. And that is, beauty is that. We are beautiful because God created us, created us as such. And yet, there's all these messages telling us that we aren't. And so, or that we should be this and we shouldn't be that. And it's just, it's a hard world out there. So instead of us focusing on, will this guy like my body? Will he approve of me? Will guys ever change how they see women? We will work on that as much as we can, but all you can control, my friend, is you. And all you can control is how you're showing up to the plate and how you see yourself and how much you're valuing your body and how much you love just who you are and what you look like. And so that's where the work needs to be done. Um, now, if you are having trouble on a dating app saying that I won't date this guy because he looks like this, that's on you as well. What's in you that is holding this specific ideal body type as an idol? This is such a long answer, but I think it's so nuanced that I just want to be as kind with it as possible, that there's work to be done here on an individual level. And I think we get lost in worrying so much why somebody won't consider us because of our body shape or what we look like or our physical appearance. And I think we need to both work on that for ourselves and then do the courtesy of being open with why we are or are not considering another guy. If he's not the hottest guy you've ever seen, in your opinion, but he seems like he is a really interesting personality or maybe he has one or two of your core non-negotiables, say yes and see what happens, okay? The, like the guys that seem mediocre looking could end up being the most attractive to you. You have no idea. I'm gonna wrap that up with JJ, right? Because at first I was like, I don't know if I'm that attracted to this guy. I don't really know. And then look at I'm marrying the guy because I am attracted to him. I am both physically attracted to him because that definitely happened. 
but I'm attracted to him in all these other areas as well, which only drives the physical even more. And so, um, yeah, that was a long-winded answer, my girl. (laughs) I love it so much. I like, yes, 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 to every (laughs) single thing that you just said. Um, Yeah, that's, it's so good. Thank you, Kate. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I want to ask about two more, and these are, there is like a giant list of things that we could talk about and I have a list, but I'm trying to um, narrow it down a tiny bit. Well, okay, let's let's do this one. This one might be a little easier. Yeah. Um, talk to us about political views. Oh, because yeah. that has, I, I would say that probably five years ago, six years ago, I don't know, let's not get specific because uh, I don't, I don't I need to like really think through that. But I don't think people thought about this as much. Yeah. But in the last however many years, it's become a real thing where, I mean, I feel like families are, are, are you know how different yeah. people in your family voted and you know how that impacts your relationship with them. And so this is a, a much bigger thing now than it ever, maybe not ever historically, but like, you know, it's it's a big thing now. It's a um, big thing. Talk to it's- us about, about what you found out about this. Yeah, well, right now in America specifically, politics are very polarizing. And so um, we... I've never shared my political affiliation because I, I, what happens when you do that is people just immediately categorize you. And that's what I don't believe is fair because we lose the, our level of curiosity and we just immediately start judging people when we find out about their, like how they voted or their political affiliation. So I never have, and I most likely, I don't know, can't say never, but I most likely will not share it because I just don't think it's a fair assessment of a person. It's not black and white. A lot of people that I know, they voted a certain way and it was a hard and painful and very thoughtful process for them, okay? And so we really need to do our best to know that if even if somebody across the table from you voted differently, it may be for them, maybe it was a hard and painful and very thoughtful process as well. And maybe it wasn't, but then if it wasn't a thoughtful process and it was just like an easy black or white decision, there's also curiosity to be had. I don't think that we should eliminate people automatically based on political affiliation because I really do believe that based on where you live and based on the influences around you, even your church, all the things, it could very much influence the way you're showing up politically. And that doesn't tell the full picture of a person's story. It's it's just part of it. It just informs some of like the, the influences around them. And so I, again, it's like, get curious. Is this person at the end of the day, I don't think you should necessarily eliminate somebody based on their political affiliation. I think rather than that, you should get curious about this person and their values because that's more important. You may vote differently politically. And JJ and I have, I found out, we have voted differently in different political, um, you know, voting things in the last several years. And that's that's okay. That is okay. Because at the end of the day, we still have the same values. And even in areas that we disagree that are harder and more hot topic issues, I'm not going to name them, we have healthy dialogue, okay? We have healthy dialogue and my mission is to not convince him to be on my side and neither is his. And that is where we get in a really sticky situation, okay? We treat politics like 
more important than our relationship with God sometimes. Like we we almost would like rather have somebody of our same political affiliation than somebody who deeply loves God. I, I'm sorry, I just have to say that. Like we really, really are focused so much more on that and we make it so, so, so important. I'm like, this is only one part of a person. Now, if somebody is making politics their everything, that's a red flag to me. If politics is their everything, if they can't sit there at a conversation without being right and getting their point across and making everyone at the table agree with them or hear them, then that to me is unhealthy and is a red flag. Um, but yeah. I think if, as long as the person isn't, you know, racist and, or, you know, completely against females or, and this is not any specific political party. It's just to say, I wouldn't be with somebody who was racist. I wouldn't be with somebody who was a misogynist in general. Like I just wouldn't. Okay. So obviously if that, like, look at those things, but outside of that, it's okay if they voted differently, as long as you both are willing to come to the table with curiosity. Our identity is not in politics. Our identity is in Jesus. Our identity is in Christ. And so this is a challenging thing because a lot of people are wrapped up. Their identities right now are wrapped up in politics. But I believe you can healthily date someone who has a different political opinion than you. Uh, I just think you both have to be coming to the table with curiosity, grace, and not attaching your identity to politics, and which also means not attaching your identity to whether or not that person comes over to your side with your thoughts and opinions, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a tricky thing. I think it's like how you vote um, is like the flower, but it's grown out of something in the ground. And that's those are your, I mean, often should be maybe your values. And so it's like, you can, you you want to to be with someone who values the same things in life as you do, but that's not necessarily, you can't necessarily tell that right off the bat by, you know, what party someone is affiliated with. Yes, um, exactly. And so I think it's, you have to, and, and I think the other thing is, it takes time to figure out how someone's values like show up in their life. And so mm-hmm. if they are the kind of person who's like, I'm going to beat you down with my opinion until you come onto my team. Well, that's a red flag for a person, period. Like yes. that's that's something that they need to work on in every area of their life. That's going to yes. be an issue in all kinds of different arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think right off the bat, you don't, we don't know as much about a person as maybe we think we do just by how they vote or what political party they affiliate themselves with. I think getting to know someone, then you get to figure out more of what they value and do you value the same things? And are you looking for the same things in life? And then also that is a great, you know, there's, um, I want to, for some reason, I want to say Maya Angelou said this, but that might be a total, we'll have to look at her. Yeah. Someone, maybe Maya Angelou, I don't know why I think that, uh, said something about how you can tell the quality of a person's character by seeing how they react to um, untangling Christmas lights. <sighs> like it's things like that. Or, you know, you you can tell if you want to hire someone onto your team, if you could sit in an airport on a layover with someone or like, you know, yeah. just different moments like that that bring out kind of the most frustrating, like frustrating moments that bring out kind of the core of us. And so I think yes. seeing how someone handles something that's as, hot as as politics it teaches you you know what is that person's temper like or how does that how does that person interact with people who are different from them mm-hmm. and um how does that how is that person when you guys disagree i think those things are are really important things to look at but again those things can't you can't tell what you don't know any of those things um just based off of 
you know, whatever you can see on an app. Yeah. I think just a huge life skill that I try to implore more and more and more is just curiosity. Um, getting curious with people and why they believe the things they do, why they stand for the things they do, why they love the things they do, like getting curious. Like you go on a date with, let's say, here's a thing for people listening who may think, oh my gosh, I can never go with some on a date with somebody who's like the opposite political affiliation. What if you just went on a date with them and it wasn't a marriage proposal and you just got curious? Like, can I genuinely sit across the table with somebody who voted differently from me and get to know this person? and just who they are. And I think <laughs> you'd be so magically and beautifully surprised at if, if you come to it with the right posture at what God will show you. And I wish we had more of that right now. Right now, we have so many opposites of people and groups with very like-minded people and like-minded people on each side and not a lot of crossover of people willing to sit at the table with somebody who, who thinks a little different or voted differently. And just ask questions and get curious and not come with an agenda, but just like be open to see like, if this person is claiming they're, they love God, then I'm curious to know like more about them and how they came to the things that they did in their life. And so I think that's what we just need all of that more. And with that, we have to also bring to the table a spirit of not personalizing our own opinions and needing our our opinions to be known. And when when you do that, that's when you squash curiosity and connection. Um, we re- curiosity is not a need to be known and need for them to know everything I think and be on my team. It's a, a curiosity for the other person, and then a curiosity for yourself. If you if you are a person that needs your opinion to be known, and you often have fiery conversations with politics. There's an opportunity and an invitation for yourself to get curious on why is that. And so I just think we need more of that as a society right now. Yeah, more dinner. (laughs) Um, Kate, the last one I want to ask you about um, is depending on what our, you know, past looks like, we, I think a lot of us have things on our must-have list in terms of like what someone else's past looks like. Mm. Um, talk to us about that. Like, you know, I I haven't um, made XYZ mistake in my life. And so I don't want to be with someone who has either. Right. Talk to me about that. Yeah, a lot of this comes up with the area of our sexual past. And if, you know if I'm dating somebody and they have a very colored sexual past, they have a lot of sexual experience, like what does that bring up in me if I'm a person that's never had any sexual experience? And I really think like, and when we start judging people based on their past, we are forgetting the whole point of the cross. We are forgetting the whole point of Jesus who literally was here came to wipe away our sins and say like, none of it does, I have, it is covered. It is finished. I have done it. Like you are loved, you are forgiven, you are renewed and made whole. And so if we are sitting here go and going to be the people that are like, for example, I'm a virgin. I'm, this is an example because I'm, I'm not a virgin. That's My past is not that. But if I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm a virgin and I need to be with somebody who is also a virgin, I really want to know why. I really, really want to know because in me, to me, that that 
is the desire to have that very specific thing. Not that it's a bad desire, but it's sounding, if you are not even going to consider somebody who has a past, a sexual past, it, it sounds like that's more rooted in pride, your own pride, than it is in grace and the love of God. Because if you really believe the gospel, then you know that God makes us new. Like that is the point. And so if we are truly gonna be as Christians and we have to see people with those same eyes. And so that means, now it's a, there's a difference between I, I'm dating somebody with a sexual past and I'm dating somebody who is currently sexually active and having sex with people all the time. Those are two different things, okay? Yeah. You don't have to date the person that's currently having sex with lots of people at this moment, okay? That They need to figure that out. But if they have a sexual past and you are like gonna eliminate them, gosh, that's not a them thing, that's a you thing. And that's something you need to work through. Similarly, without just sexual history, but trauma wounding, um, <clears throat> I would say the biggest thing when it comes to just like trauma wounding overall, which I have a lot of, and a lot of people do, is, is to look and get curious on whether or not they know about their trauma wounding and how much they've worked on it, okay? That's the most important thing. Because there are a lot of people out here that have never worked through their trauma wounds. And um, and you, you, you don't necessarily want to date somebody who's never worked through any of their trauma woundings, never before. You know, if they say that my dad passed away when I was really young, or my parents got a divorce early on, and then I was in a, two chaotic households, like, and they've never worked through that kind of trauma, that felt sense of like, that would create a lot of ambivalence in a child to be one way over here and another way over here if the two households were very different. And that causes a lot of trauma and attachment wounding to the young child. And if they've never worked through that, that would be a red flag. But if they're telling you these things and then they are sharing their journey of healing and what they've learned and how they're continuing to be on that journey of healing, that's a really, really good sign, <laughs> you know? So... You know, I know plenty of friends that have a history of trauma, of drugs, of alcohol, of sex, of so many things. And they are some of the most profound Christians I know today because, because of the hard things they have endured and because of the healing and the newfound love that they found through Christ, they are just like on fire. And, and so if those people were eliminated because of their really like, like hard past, it would be such a shame because they are some of the most profoundly in love with Jesus people that I've ever met. And so it doesn't matter as much their story. What matters is how much they have chosen to work through and understand and heal from the things that have happened to them. And so I think that you're never gonna really know that by day one either. This is like a journey, but it really is important for you as you are on a date and asking questions and something comes up about sexual history or trauma in their past. If you immediately, if something is going off in you that says, ooh, oh, oh, this person is broken. Ooh, I can't date that. Then, ooh, that's a good challenge for you. That is a good challenge for you. If you immediately write someone off right then and there, that's a really good challenge for you to instead of doing that, ask them questions, get curious, find out where they are today. Like what is their journey of growth and healing look like? Those are the things that matter way more than, you know, what's happened in their past. And so, and I say that from a very personal and intimate place as well, because I do have, a lot of sexual things in my past. I have a lot of trauma in my past. And 
I have dated guys that have made me re- feel really bad about that. And yeah. it's been super hard because I'm like, I've worked through a lot of these things and you've just tried to shame me <laughs> for the things that I've actually worked through. Or you've judged me. And that's been so painful, but also really clarifying that they're definitely not my people. But if somebody eliminated me, if JJ eliminated me because he found out about some of my history and my past, it would be so sad because we wouldn't be here where we are now. Um, so that's just very personal for me. But I, I really, I think there's a lot of work we can do there personally on the questions we're asking and the judgments we're making. Yeah, that's so good. I'm so glad you said that because I'm right there with you. I would hate to have been eliminated from my past. And and I really was by by some people. But it is really a it's a tragedy when someone sees sees you for your past instead of seeing what God's done in your life. Yeah. Since then. Mm-hmm. And they're missing out on the best part of the story. Yeah. Okay. Can you give us just one last piece of encouragement for women as they're, you know maybe hopping on a dating app tonight and they're thinking about maybe making some different choices with who they swipe right or left on. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love just the last piece of encouragement from you. Yeah, don't do it mindlessly. Be intentional to pay attention. Think about what you're thinking about, okay? So when you're swiping left on a guy, think about why you're swiping left. Like genuinely, am I swiping left because of his height? Am I swiping left because he's not quote unquote attractive enough for me? Am I swiping left... What? Why are you swiping left? Or are you swiping left because they have seven mirror selfies and a lot of shirtless pics? Okay, fine. Swipe left. That's all good. But like, are you swiping left? What? Why are you swiping left? <laughs> Be more mindful. Think about what you're thinking about and have in the back of your head just me saying, date the unexpected. God just may do the unexpected. You never know. And remember, if you have a lot of trauma wounds, for somebody with trauma wounds, like, healthy relationships look pretty boring. Healthy people look really boring. We aren't always attracted to them. There's something in us that wants the unhealthy person. That's normal to us. And we wouldn't say that. It's just intrinsically, there is something wired in us that is a little more attracted oftentimes to the unhealthy person. They're more exciting. They're more interesting. They hold love away from us. They're very charismatic, whatever it looks like. And so just know, if you have a lot of trauma in your past, a lot of times, Um, unattractive or unhealthy is actually more attractive to you without knowing it. And so challenge yourself, um, date the unexpected. And I'm just excited for you because this last year with me challenging people to do this, not only has it been my story of being able to meet my now almost husband, but it's also, I've read countless stories of how people have started to date the unexpected the guy that was younger than them or older than them, the guy that was shorter. I've heard a lot of height stories of like, I gave this guy a shot that I never would have before and he is now my fiance or we're getting married, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's countless stories of people dating the unexpected and being like, there was this awesome guy or a friend of mine that I never considered before because I just didn't think I was attracted enough to him. And I, you know what? I said, yes. And actually we're dating and it's amazing. And I'm like, look at that, y'all. So date the unexpected and just see what happens. (laughs) I love that. Kate, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. You guys, isn't Kate amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. 
And so if you want to find the links for any of those things, all you have to do is go to our show's website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Kate's contact info. So you guys can follow along with her and so y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me, but also it helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And this next one is such a good one. I'll see you then.